bitches out there. It's your, <laughs> it's your favorite liars, Corbin and Nick. Welcome to another episode of the A-Team. What is up, my man? Corbin, how you doing? I'm I'm jazzed, man. I'm 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 really excited to be blowing through these episodes. Oh, me too. It's been a treat. Yep. Today we got you with episode two, the follow-up to the uh, the pilot, which really episode two is when you start really getting to the nitty-gritty of the story. Now that you've established A and you've established the characters, now we can really get down and dirty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will say episode two uh, has one of my favorite scenes in it, and we'll get to it in a second. But what are your overall general thoughts before we get into specific notes? Yeah, uh, I really like episode two. Me too. Um, it really kind of uh, it sets the tone a little bit more than episode one did, in the sense that apparently Rosewood is just a town that's in forever fall. Yep. Which I just I really want. Absolutely. Uh, it. And apparently, like for a small town, it's also like a foodie's paradise because like all of their like cafes and restaurants are like wonderfully high scale and look like just delightful. And th- that's the thing that I don't understand about Rosewood is everyone uses dialogue like one it's a small town two you gotta be careful what you say or do in Rosewood where it gets around but the aesthetic of the town is like an upper class portion of the city Mm. like it like everyone there is is high class everyone is wealthy the high school is not small by any means I mean they have flipping uh, Russian they have like a Russian class at that high school. Like I don't even think we had Russian at our high school. We had a no. big high. We had a big high school. Yeah, huge. Uh, Wait, I would I would assume much larger than the population of Rosewood could fill. Yeah, and I just, whew, I, I want to live in Rosewood. That's that's the only thing I ever take away when I'm watching this show is like I want to live there. This Me is too. not. Whenever I think about how I don't want to live in a small town, it has nothing like what's at Rosewood. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I can, I struggle with exactly what level, like size, Rosewood is because there's there's no plausible chance in my mind that a, a town as small as they make it sound like would be as um, like trendy as it is. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's more like you know the size of town that you live in, which is like a hundred thousand people. You know what I mean? Right, somewhere around there, and maybe because even that town, granted, it's in the middle of Missouri, but. Maybe, you know, because that town has some trendier stuff. It's a it's a college town. But, like, you know, but even that town doesn't have anything close to the level of, like, no, foodie-isms that this place does. I just don't – I struggle with, is could a town like that really exist? And I, I think I land solidly on the answer of no. Yeah, I don't – like I said, it, it, it would have to be, like, an area of, like, of St. Louis, Missouri, like the Central West End or someplace like that where every resident for whatever reason lives in this like delusion that we live in the, we live in the town of the central west end and we're just we exist in a bubble in the middle of the city like because yeah. like they have like a really nice mall mm-hmm. that they go to and that's Very another nice. thing is hannah and mona make it clear that stealing is kind of like their norm mm-hmm. but if you only have one mall in a small town you, you definitely wouldn't be stealing as a norm because it would be so easy to get caught. Yeah. So I almost feel like there has to be like even a second mall or that mall is fucking ginormous. Yeah, but there's no way. 
And these we're, we're two people who at one point made it our uh, mission in life to really f- like just immerse ourselves in mall culture. <laughs> we, would, we would go Sorry, out of our way to go to every mall. <laughs> and every we know. Mall. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it seems strange to me. I wonder if Rosewood is supposed to be sort of a, and a listeners outside of St. Louis, which is my hometown and Corbin's hometown, is if it's similar to almost like a much larger like St. Albans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's because they go to later in the show they go to Philadelphia quite a bit. They mention it a lot. So I wonder if maybe that's what it is. Like it's forty five minutes outside the city. It's not technically like a small town, you know, or but like you know, you know, do you get what like I'm a saying? like like a St. Charles area maybe? Yeah, like O'Fallon, St. Charles, something like that. Like a just outside the like the it's technically part of maybe like the Philly Metro, but it's not actually part of the city. I can see it in the it's sense nice. of like it's too nice. Like even like like I haven't been there, but like Salem, Massachusetts is just thirty minutes away from Boston, which is like sure. a major city to go visit. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess it's possible. It just seems strange. It's just so it's just so high profile. That's why I think that because like you know I live I'm out here in L.A. now, and I there's it's the same way where like you you get out further from the city, but there's still these like trendier areas like a Glendale or a Burbank. Or, you know, even out here, you know, Chino is kind of Fullerton is kind of that way. And so that's what made me think maybe that's what it is. But it just they always talk about, you know, like Rosewood's a small town, word travels fast. And it's like, okay, you can't have both ways. You can't have it all. And they don't they don't do a good job at ever explaining to you the like the landscape of Rosewood. So like, for, for example, a show like Gilmore Girls. Yeah, that you I mean, even halfway through the first season, you get a mental picture of the geography of the town. Yeah. If you understand, like, where Suki lives, you understand where the hotel is, you understand where Luke's diner is at. Mm-hmm. I never get that with with this show. Like, you, you understand landmarks like the grill they'll go mm-hmm. to and stuff. But it's always, like, hodgepodge. And sometimes they'll just be, like, in a random cafe and they don't name it. So I'm just like, where... Where are you? Yeah. Where is this? Yeah. And it'd be different if they had like the one trendy cafe they always go to, but they don't. They go to a bunch of different places and they're all just like Edison bulbs and it all looks really nice. You know, it's like this is like a hipster's paradise everywhere they go. But I'm like, I, I'm loving it. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's for the era. I remember watching that and being like, God damn, is that place cool? You know, it's true. I, I mean, that way. I mean, I feel like the the trendy thing is to still kind of do like a mid-century modern um, feel with a little bit of industrialism. And I mean, that's what this show's like architecture all was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, PLO was was doing it before it was cool. They really were. (laughs) I mean, it was because, yeah, it always takes film a couple of years and TV, especially even longer to catch up to what's trending. So they're always like they always are kind of a step behind. And this show was ahead of its time because that's like right at the time when that stuff was becoming popular and everything in the show. Which also proves that it's not a small town because if you've ever been to a small town in the United States, you understand that they're like a decade or two in the past. I I love going to small towns and seeing moms rocking like, it's now called like the Karen hairdo, but like the the Kate hairdo from like uh, Kate plus eight or whatever. It was like that. That blonde, like long bob look that she yep. made popular, like the bump and shit. 
Yep. And it's it's just it cracks my shit up to go to small towns and see what they think is like the trendy hairstyles and clothing styles. And I'm like, I understand sometimes in small towns, as far as clothing is concerned, they don't have access to what actually is trendy just because of monetary reasons and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you do have a little bit more control about your hair. So I mean, you are the one ultimately that's going to the barber saying, I want to look like this. And every morning that you get up after that haircut, you go, I'm looking fire and I'm ready for the world to meet me. Yep. And you see what's on TV and you see what you see in movies, which as we said, are a little bit of behind, but they're not that behind. No. It's like, they're like the ones who like a couple years ago saw the Rachel on Friends and were like, I'm doing that. I'm, you know what? That's new. It's hip. I'm doing it. I'm going to do the Rachel. You know, yeah, yeah, which hilariously is kind of coming back right now. So they would actually, it would have come full circle, and they would be on trend. You're right. <laughs> and wow, you know what? Maybe that's the small town thing. Like, why change? We'll we'll be trendy. They're like a they're like a, we'll you know, like a broken clock. They're right twice a decade. Yeah, they're like the Grand Canyon wasn't made overnight. No, and eventually you saw it for its beauty. So we're just gonna we're just gonna stick it right here, yeah. and before you know it, uh, we'll be what's trendy and happy. We were doing it before you. Yeah, man. I, you know what? Maybe they know what's up. Maybe we're idiots. I think you're right. I think yeah. we need to. I think we need to do a little bit better of a deep dive into small towns in the United States and just kind yeah. of do character studies of each town. Yeah, I think we should. I think. Uh, I think Pretty Little Liars has has spurred something much more important and significant. I think you're right. I think it's time to do a road trip. Well, guys, this has been fun. This podcast uh, is over. <laughs> The A team's going on the road. That's right. Oh my gosh, A team tour. Yes, in yes. a van. Obviously, the A team van. Yes, of course, yeah, of course. Except in our case, it'll just be like a, a creepy white van. Well, yeah, it's all we can afford. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's get into some of these notes. I my yes. first big note, and I think this is very important because I just don't know how. It makes any. It it doesn't happen. But how does Ben not know that Emily's gay? Joe, I don't know. That's a good question. It's so obvious. Like but, it's it's, you know, it's bad writing it's, level obvious. It's one of those things though where Ben is such a skadoosh that I can't <laughs> help but wonder if he is gay, and he oh. is overcompensating, and that's why he's like so ultra aggressive towards Emily and trying to prove like his point where he's like, yeah, I need to be with a girl. Yeah, I think, well, that makes sense, too, because there's that scene in his car that I'm thinking about when he's like, what's up, babe? And he's like kissing her and he's putting all this dumb music on and she, you can just tell she's like, I think you're disgusting. It's true. It makes and, no sense to me. <laughs> and even with Emily being gay, there are just so many like better humans to spend your time with. Like why settle for Ben yeah. of, all, of all, of all the humans in Rosewood? Like, I just don't, I don't yeah. grasp why she would choose to be with him of all the guys. I'm going to start taking pictures of just guys like background extras and be like, I bet that guy's nicer than Ben, but this guy's nicer than Ben. <laughs> just guys at their locker. <laughs> which thankfully he does kind of fade away. In a uh, sort, of, bit. sort of inexplicably. Like he just, they they do a good job with these uh, boyfriend characters that they just sort of, you know, just never show back up again. Which, if anything, maybe all of this, like, focus on A has d- 
distracted from the larger crimes at large, which is all these men that entered these girls' lives just disappear and yeah. no one seems to notice. Yeah. Maybe they are the ones being murdered. Oh, damn. The show within a show. That would be really interesting if if the show had been like, not only is this happening, but all the men that date you guys end up dead. The Lost Boys of Rosewood. Yeah, except Ezra. He lives. Except Ezra, he lives. And Toby. Yeah, I wrote a kind of a side note, which is more just me talking about how uh, I don't remember some of the things in the show. And I was just like, I honestly don't remember important details with Jenna and Allison. Like, it's very clear that they had a history. And we kind of get into some of that later in this episode. Because again, I'm, I'm writing my notes like as the episode is playing out. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, I don't remember some key things, which I think is important for me, the overall experience of me enjoying this show. And again, with us being able to talk about it to our audience, maybe our experiences the first time. Yeah. Um, but the next thing I have is how on earth would it still not be a crime scene? Cause it's only been 24 hours. So like there's a scene where Emily's mom is asking Maya, like how she's doing. And, uh, if like the house is calmed down or whatever. And Maya was kind of complaining that people are still like coming up and treating kind of like a memorial where they're like bringing gifts or whatever to, to present to Allison's grave, which again, this girl was a, she was a C word. Okay. Stop. Just the worst. I think it was Lucas. It says in a later episode, but death does not make you a saint. Mm -mm. And, but that aside, like how is this not, they found the body in the yard how is it still not a crime scene because they don't know who murdered her it's now become a murder investigation so would that yard not be on like lockdown no well because what it seemed like to me was like somebody found her body and they're like oh she accidentally fell and died back here i guess <laughs> case closed but yeah, it's almost like I almost chalked it up to that everybody in the town hated her so much they were like who fucking cares who did it thank god it happened See, that would make sense. Like, as far as, like, from, like, a cover-up perspective or, or as far as just, like, inept police work, it would make more sense if the town truly saw her for what she is. But the evidence of the peripheral characters just show that the town adored her, which I just, I do not understand yeah. whatsoever. I mean, I, you know what? I actually did put a note down that sort of, it doesn't contradict what I said the last episode, but it does... Uh, add nuance to when I said that nobody would like Allison. I think that while most people wouldn't like her, she is the way she talks to everybody is so commanding that she would probably have like disciple type friends like that. And You're so, right. but it still does not explain the inexplicable love that this town feels for her. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Not at all. Uh, but I did write down that Ezra is my wardrobe spirit animal. I love this man. I love what he wears on every every time he's on screen. He just, yeah. he has my attention, Nick. I just can't help it. Yeah, I remember when we watched it the first time, you were just like enamored with him, which oh I, I was too. But I, I mean, like, he is. Hel Hello, Mr. Fitz. I know. I'm like, oh my God, if you were single, buddy, but you're not. You're dating a high schooler. Yeah. I also wrote down if Arya isn't in Fitz's class wouldn't that make them being together easier so I know that Fitz is like offended that Arya wants to transfer classes and it's now this point of contention of like well then I won't see you in this that and the other but 
wouldn't it make it ultimately easier because you're not having to pretend in front of a class of 18 students that you don't know each other you're trying to hide the chemistry but this way it's a little bit more removed in that you don't have to interact with each other at school you just hook up when the bell dings yeah because the only plausible reason i could think that you'd want to be in his class is that if you do have to interact at school you can be like he's my teacher so mm-hmm. i'm talking to him about class but like you said just interact outside of school just don't talk at school you'd be doing yourself a huge favor saving yourself a lot of problems later on just don't talk at school yeah uh but i also she, but she was rejected right it wasn't that's why she's in his class though yeah she tried to transfer she asked him to sign it he got all butthurt and offended yeah, by it did. yeah and it ended up being rejected so she stays in this class which ultimately makes the writers able to have these like tensioned conversations and um just ultimately having them on screen together more often than i guess if they were just hooking up at the at his apartment yeah which probably is the ultimate goal there is not taking logic but trying to create a a writing situation that's all it was yeah you can re- you it just reads that way like you watch it and you're like okay you guys just did this on purpose <laughs> right it's the, it's the show the show does this the whole time where they engineer the writers engineer situations to be like see see you want you want them to be together and it just doesn't work i think you hit like there's like an age barrier it's like it's like the santa claus where like you hit an age and you stop believing santa and so then you can't see him but he's real but in this one it's like no 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 you hit an age and then you just are for sure out and you're you made the right call because it doesn't it doesn't work I, I i just i found it so hard and it gets worse later on but in this episode when she slams the paper down and goes to sit down and he looks at her like <gasps> like oh you're still in my class everybody would notice that because they're watching you to start class and they're like what yeah. is he doing yeah everyone's poker face in the show is just fucking awful and that means and everybody it, else around them are just idiots. Yeah. And I'm just like, and the things that they're poker facing about are things that are fucking important to have yeah. a poker face about. Yeah. And they're all like, boo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. They just have these derp faces every time something happens and everybody's like, wow, I guess nothing happened to Hannah. Right. Everything just happened to Hannah. And she told you, she telegraphed it. <laughs> I also wrote down, and I think I write this down for quite a few episodes. But these cops cannot be talking to these girls, Nick. They're no. underage. They're minors. Yep. Anything that he gets from them is not admissible in court. Yep. So why even waste the time? Yep. They keep having these moments of tension, which I, I guess you could say that there is a hint of realism in the fact that there is shoddy policeman work usually done in small towns. And I say that because almost every captivating murder documentary is about a botched police it is. <laughs> police uh, it is. investigation in a small town. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that just leads us to believe <laughs> that maybe this fool thinks this is how the the law works. But I'm just like, every time they're speaking to him, I'm just like, one, know your fucking rights, and yep. two, I'm pulling my hair out because I'm like, this is a waste of time. Like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter. You can't. He's, he's, there are moments where he is inferring that one of them is a suspect. And you, all the time. And it just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't well, matter. The, biggest pit, the biggest pitfall that he's fallen into, not pitfall, the biggest like, like 
case ruining thing that he has going against him is the second that he would try to press charges against any of them because he would probably find a way to indict all of them because they were all part of this together is Hannah would just be like, you've been sleeping with my mom this whole time and they would all get a mistrial. Yeah. I definitely write that later too, where I'm like, the moment he slept with Hannah's mom, I was like, he's no longer on the case. Like you can't, you can't fucking do that, man. Well, yeah. Either he's no longer on the case or if it does go to trial, it's an immediate mistrial. It's over. Yeah. So what I, that's what, that's what I'm thinking the whole time is like, this guy is either like so sure that he's going to get away with doing this or he is the worst detective that's ever lived and ever done that job. Yes. Which is possible. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's got the cockiness of somebody who would be bad at his job. That's very true. You know what I mean? It's like that, it's that, like that line of like, when you don't, when you know a little bit about something, you're super confident. And then the more you learn, your confidence goes back down and then you become an expert and it goes back up again. There's like a trough. He's got the like, I don't know very much about being a detective, but damn, I'm going to act like I'm the best. So I know what is up. Yeah. We also learn a lot more about Jenna in this episode we like do. as far as like why she's blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a note going, that was some stink bomb. And that yeah. Allison says it's a stink bomb that she's throwing in the, in the, in the garage. Yeah. And the fucking garage explodes. Yeah. And I was like, I... I've I've dealt with stink bombs before. I've never seen one explode. I've let them off in band rooms in middle school. And I know that that's not how it works. They're just little glass capsules. You stomp on them. That's all that happens. So is there going to be, like I said, I'm, I'm like, I'm 16 episodes deep in this show right yeah. now. Uh, they don't talk about, do you remember them talking about like, is, does she purposely use like a different explosive or is the show truly just trying to say that the stink bomb exploded? See, I don't remember because it's, it's, yeah, it's one of two things. Either Allison lied and did legitimately try to blow up someone. It's like through a stick of dynamite. The windows blow out. <laughs> yeah. Like she threw an, like a multiple, it would have to be like the way that that blew up, like it, it, like an M80 couldn't even do that. It would have to have been something like that to blow up that much. Yeah. Like you would have, or like you've had to like accident. Maybe the only thing I could think of is maybe she threw it in there. And it was some weird form of stink bomb that actually required a match or something like that. And it hit some accelerant or something like that. That's the only way. Right. But that's, it, a, lot of, that's a lot of legwork to have to do and never explain. Well, you know, Modern Warfare 2 was really popular during, during that time. So maybe she was just like, frag out. Yeah, she just <laughs> threw it in. She's like, I've been playing Modern Warfare 2. I also wrote down this note. And I'm actually kind of hoping that you know what it means. Because I don't remember what this note means. And I just said, quote, declined equals destiny lol was there what (laughs) what was the i know what it is this it's this part in the episode where her uh transfer slip was declined and so i was saying decline me they're destined to be with each other that's right yeah oh dude because yeah as we've said the show just finds so many ways to be like they're gonna be together you need to learn to love it because it's happening whether you like it or not so true yeah. Yeah. And then we, we the cop continues to be invasive in the in Hannah's life. He's at dinner. Uh yeah. I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't and get it. We uh it's the first time we get to see Spencer's dad. Uh and so I said, Spencer's dad, Nolan North, I forgot. And then I said <laughs> we, we must have him on the show. So uh if you are listening to us, Nolan North uh, <laughs> or anyone who knows him. Uh, we want to have him on the podcast. Yeah, we we really encourage you to come on. You know, I did I did tweet at him. I uh, saw that. I liked it. Answer is still pending. 
And by pending, it just means he's talking with his agent. He's just like, I have to get on this show. What do I have to do? It's so true. Yeah. Um, I go <laughs> Fitz plus Aria plus mom equals old fashioned courting date, LOL. Because Aria and her mom go to the movies and see Mr. Fitz there. And the mom is like, hey, do you want to come sit with us? And he's like, uh. again, <laughs> when the poker face is so important, he's like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fucking your daughter. And Arya's like, who's fucking me? I don't know. And then they end up sitting together and it's, they couldn't be more obviously awkward. Yeah. And I just can't help but laugh. The mom is sitting next to this 24-year-old who's porking her 16-year-old daughter. Yeah, and it's so clear. Like, the, the tension. I feel like you could, she could just have cut it with a knife and been like, okay, well, I know what's happening here. Because I don't know if you've ever been around two people that have been trying to, like, keep a relationship secret or if you've been around, like, and you're, like, you can figure you can figure it out i would say within five seconds you know what i mean like it's so obvious and like i hate to say it but a 16 year old is going to do the worst job at that she's going to be like oh my god just i just want to you know but like no the show just they telegraph it so much and the mom's like she doesn't get it (laughs) i hate it Uh, we did learn a great latin term uh, from Ren, which is ascendo tune, yeah. which means up yours. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote, man, the tension with Spencer and Ren is thick. And then I'm pretty sure that's when they make out. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. It was like right, after, right, after I t- right after I wrote that. I know. That poor guy. He just, you know what happened? He got caught up as every other person does with, if you get involved in one of the liar's lives, your life is over, as you know it's, it. You know, that's very true. And that's something that for viewers, as you watch, the real victims of this show is anyone who enters the show. Yeah. A brand new character, they're they're screwed. Yeah. They're just yeah. – and, and it's usually because of the liars. They, they are the catalyst of so much of the destruction that happens in this show. Yeah, because they're idiots. <laughs> Which I, I don't know if that is a truth – that hardcore fans are willing to accept, but there are so many times where what happens isn't because of a, it's because of the lot. It's because of the girls. Yeah. I mean, a, we'll, we get to this later, but I start to feel like I'm on a side. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do too, man. Yeah. Cause a's coming after him. And I kind of like, you probably should. Somebody yeah, go has get to him. go get him. A. Go get, get him. him. Yeah. Get him. <clears throat> I also I, uh... wrote down. Oh, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I wrote down one of my favorite scenes is when Hannah tries to seduce Sean while he's doing his homework. And he's like, oh, um, no, thank you. I'm trying to work. And she's like, but my mom's out. We can go upstairs. And he's like, nah. <laughs> I, just, I love it. Because I love that Hannah is like, I'm the new it girl. And everything she does is just, she's so annoying. And everything she does just fails. And she, even even this dude who you, I'm sure she's thinking, oh, well, I got this one in the bag. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have sex with this dude. And I'm going to lose my virginity. I'm going to prove I'm the it girl. I, I, you know, side note, I don't know what that proves. But second, I just love that he's like, mm, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's definitely, uh, he's pretty staunch in his convictions. He's committed. Uh, which I guess good on him to an extent, because like, honestly, if I was that age and someone like Hannah was just like throwing themselves at me. I probably been like, you know what? Your mom's gone. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go upstairs. Yeah. 
I mean, if she was like trying that hard, I'm not. I'm like, well, you know, you know, what am I supposed? I mean, to, what am I supposed to do? I mean, let's be honest. I didn't get my first kiss until I was a senior in high school with uh, Sammy. So you weren't uh, a senior in high school. <laughs> that was the. That was before I knew you, and I met you when I was 15. You're right. It was the winter break of my junior year. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't make it much better. But moral of the story is, with them being 16, I. I would have been Sean hundred percent. Like, no, no, you, you charlatan, get away from me. That's what you do with your next girlfriend. I know. <laughs> I I convinced her. You did to not did. want it. She was totally cool with it, and you were like, no, no, no. Let me tell you. Yeah. So, and then I spent years hearing Corbin complain about it. <laughs> like, why? I just want it to be this way, but I dug my own grave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also I wrote down because I couldn't stop laughing when it happened. I said the car, the car door swings open. LMAO. They are trying so hard to want us to want Fitz and Aria. Yes, the scene where she's like she's walking in the rain with her cup of coffee, and this car with the Ezra's driving drives past her. She's like, did he see me? And it's kind of like the slow mo rom com movie scene, and the car stops. And the passenger door uh, just in slow-mo opens up. And then she goes, and then runs gallantly to the car where she can be protected with her lover. Oh, my gosh. Dude, it's it's so contrived. And the the show has to know. Like, these are professional writers. You know what I mean? Like, they should know. They don't have to be good, but they should at least know, like, even for – I mean, not 14-year-old girls, but – Definitely 28, 29 year old men are going to see through this. Are we their target demographic? I would say, you know, definitively not. But I, I would debate that maybe we are because we're making a podcast about it. That's true. <laughs> I don't know if that says more about them or us, but that's a fair point. Bit of column A, bit of column B. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. I, uh, I did write a couple side notes in that I don't like the texture of Arya's dad's voice. I just don't like the way his voice sounds. Byron, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. don't. It, it bothers me. Yeah. And I also said, I, I always want coffee and takeout when I watch this show. Every time. I want, want coffee and takeout yeah. in tandem. Yeah. My last note is, I, I don't think Jenna is blind. They, they make it really... <sighs> the way that they show her mm-hmm. observing scenes... It really gives me the vibe that she's not blind. Yeah. And the way that the girls react to her gives me the sense that they, whether they know it or not, are getting a weird vibe that they feel like she sees them. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing because it's her big scene in this episode is when she sits with them at the table, the lunch table. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, one, she reacts to their voices so like accurately that she's either become like Matt Murdock level in tune with her other senses in the time since she's been blinded, which seems unlikely, or she isn't blind. And two, that she, the way their friend blinded her and they were kind of part of that. And the way they, they're all like, uh, do you see the way she was talking to us? And I'm like, yeah, she's kind of a bitch to you, but it's your fault that she cannot see anymore. (laughs) Forever. Yeah. She's blind. Yeah, I because just, your friend lit off a quote-unquote stink bomb. 
which I believe is a stick of TNT. Uh, yeah, I would I would say that she just threw napalm in that garage. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, and my my last note is: Are we really expected to believe that Byron is going to let Arya keep this secret? Because I feel like if my if I had cheated on my wife and my daughter was the only person that knew, I'd be like, oh, I gotta tell her because why would I let my sixteen year old know? Yeah, I mean that's just pro. Yeah, that's just not okay. Like, Dude, no. like obviously the infidelity or whatever is wrong, but like to make to make your sixteen year old daughter for over a year keep that secret. Yeah. And then have the audacity to be like, now that you're back in, it's one thing when you're in Iceland, right? And you're like in a new environment. It's a little bit farther away. It's easier to have an escapism. It's easier for Arya to compartmentalize that that was in the past and we are, this is the current present. Mm. But you're taking her back to the raw energies of the town that it happened in so everywhere she walks she is flooded with the emotional memories of finding out that she saw her dad cheating yeah then you're gonna be like like almost offended like it seems byron's frustrated like you were fine in iceland why why are you being mean to me now it's like well why why did you back on that other woman yeah what'd you do that for (laughs) and she's also like Arya is probably the most like believable, like emotional distressed character of the of the main four, because not only is she dealing with the death of her best friend, who is a terrible person, she's also grappling with the fact that her father's have was having an affair and she's the only one that knows at a very young age when she shouldn't be grappling with that fact, and she's also having you know she's having some issues with boys and she's dealing with all kinds of stuff. She's got the most on her plate. Yeah. So I feel like it it seems odd that she, that Byron is so much like you can handle this we're going to be fine. It's like no, she's 16 and you're her dad and you're yeah. making her lie to her mom for a year. You fled the country essentially for a summer to get her to do it. Basically. Yeah. Cuz let's be real, fleeing the country to be in Iceland wasn't so that she could adjust to Allison being dead yeah it was to it was trying to save the the family dynamic yeah and trying to make sure that that was like um i don't know as put together as possible yeah i think so too i think it was byron and it makes byron such an unlikable character yeah but i will say that uh i definitely see late in later episodes i definitely see a pivot in how i see byron and ella yeah, yeah, I th- I think so. I I think even like where I'm at, it's already starting to happen that way too. I wouldn't necessarily say I wouldn't necessarily say that Byron has a redemption, but I do see him pick up his game, yeah. and Ella just kind of like. Yeah, it's more that yeah, it's more that she becomes more like or becomes less likable. Yeah, because she's I've noticed too that like it's so much more about him and Arya keeping the secret and less in her and they make her seem so just aloof. So when she finds out and the way she reacts, it seems it doesn't necessarily add up. We'll get to, we'll get to that more when we get there. But yeah, I, I would definitely, I would say don't, you know, listeners don't be too harsh on Byron just yet. You're, I mean, he definitely is in the wrong and he fucked up, but 
he, you know, he might not be, he might handle it maybe better than you would expect. Yeah. I do think that uh, when push comes to shove, he does show uh, that the fan, his family is what's most important to him. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Well, with that, I think we might have, uh, we've, we've covered everything for episode two. We've gotten two episodes down, man. Three episodes into the show already. Look at us. We're cruising. We are cruising for a bruising. I know. For, tr- oh, for sure. I was going to say for true. <laughs> for true. I feel like I got to give that an A-plus performance, my man. That's true. Yeah. What do we, what do we give uh, A to F on this episode? I mean, listeners might be surprised <sighs> at what your grade is. Uh, maybe a 92, so an A minus. Oh, A minus. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go B plus. I'm going to say B plus. You're going to say B plus. Yeah, I will. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that really does give grades. You can keep calling them A's. <laughs> at all. That's uh, that's probably fair. It's probably good to have like a, a, a an actual barometer of like, this is the serious grade and this is the jit. This is the, the bit. Yep. Cause I can already tell you now the next episode is going to be significantly lower grade. <laughs> they probably are just going to continue to get lower I think they are. <laughs> but that is, that is to say, make sure you come back for the next episode. It's so true. It, in truth, the grade might go down, but the laughs only increase. That is absolutely true. Because the absurdity just skyrockets. I would say it's exponential growth. 100%. And it never ends. Never, ever. Yeah. So we we appreciate you joining us again, Corbin. You wanna you wanna plug the old socials for for the A team? Definitely. So you can find the A team on both Instagram and Twitter right. at Rosewood the number four mm. and the word ever. Mm-hmm. Rosewood four ever. That's right. That way you can keep up with our clever tweets that A is tweeting out. And uh, our sexy Instagram pictures that we are going to be posting for you all. Absolutely. So if you want to see the gorgeous faces that go along with these sultry voices yes. and see just how pretty these little liars are, Ooh. definitely going to want to follow the gram. And you can follow <laughs> us individually. Corbin's at Dr. Tenant. That's D-O-C-1-0-N-T. D-O-C-T-O-R. Dr. Tenant. Oh, of course. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Dio's a million times. Doc, Doc Tennant. Doc Tennant. Dr. Dr. Tennant. Dr. Yeah. Tennant. And I'm at the Nick Lanham, L A N H A M, on Instagram and Twitter. Show yo. Right. All right, guys. We will catch you next time. And with that, we got your back, bitches. Bitches. <laughs>